Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back to another episode of Inside the Forest. I'm your host, Cameron Lemons Debro. It's always fun to see the ups and flows, the ups and downs, the roller coaster that is fandom in the ACC from Saturday to Tuesday to Saturday, anything in between. And this isn't really taking a shot at anybody. I mean, I can use Pitt as an example. I think Pitt fans have been very despondent the last week or so. And then all of a sudden, you know, going to Cameron Indoor, I know Duke's down a couple people, took a monumental effort from Blake Henson going seven for seven from from three I don't think that is a repeatable mark but you have that happen go on Duke you get a win and now you're on top of the world same sort of thing can be said about Wake Forest you're coming off the win against Virginia last Saturday I think everything's all right with the world then you just throw up all over yourselves against NC State on the road the coaches can no longer adjust. The players are bad. You know, this is this is why we're going to miss the tournament. I see the sentiments. I see them. You know, there's going to be this hangover just because of how they lost this game going into the Louisville game. And then they skunk Louisville. It's, it's always fun. I think it's always really fun. Never too high, never too low. The, next, the most important game is the next one. We keep saying it. The most important game is the next one. 
Before I get into Wake Forest, whether you're talking about the games they had, as well as bracketology, I wanted to touch a little bit on Sports Illustrated, and I'm only going to give myself a couple minutes. I've got a little stopwatch next to me. If you have been underneath a rock or you know, just kind of just missed the news for a little bit, last week on, I believe it was the 19th, the Arena Group, who was formerly Maven, announced that in, internally that they were laying off essentially everyone at Sports Illustrated. Um, just, I was, it was really jarring to hear. Um, I have a couple of really, really good friends that work at Sports Illustrated. I think, you know, my age and the generation before me grew up on you know, Sports Illustrated magazines coming coming home. It was, it's always kind of been the pinnacle of journalism. And, you know, while I'm not some big J journalist that went to journalism school and, you know, always dreamed of being a writer, covering things, you know, you, it was how you thought media should be portrayed, at least in the print version of it. Pat Ford kind of corrected some of the reporting and said that either Arena or someone else is going to have license to operate Sports Illustrated. Uh, the entire staff was not laid off. There's still website and magazines, but there was an ugly, brutal day with many layoffs. From talking to a couple of people at Sports Illustrated, you know, the next 90 days for them is going to be very important to figure out if they have jobs or not, because that's going to be the thing. And, you know, it's the second time in a few months that Sports Illustrated has kind of embarrassed themselves. And I shouldn't say Sports Illustrated because I don't think the brand embarrassed themselves. The arena group has embarrassed themselves between, you know, essentially trying to just gut the Hall of Fame entity that Sports Illustrated is. But as well as, I don't know if you remember earlier, in uh, later in last year, where they were caught using fake AI-generated writers to just, that were just, you know, making just articles here and there. And everyone that wrote there was like, this is the most embarrassing thing that I've ever seen. I'm out here working my ass off and the arena group is out here having you know, bots just make content and not even like, telling us this. There's a union there. Like you're no, you got to tell people that. So it just, it just goes to show just how much in just the crapper the sports industry is right now. Yet we keep seeing it time and time again, we keep giving these private equity groups, considerable control over entities that we've loved and they private equity does exactly what private equity does. They strip things down to the bare bones and they sell it off and they go, Oh yeah, you know, it wasn't profitable. Didn't matter if it was profitable the last 25 to 30 years. It, it only matters now because someone that's, you know, meant to solely make money is over it versus, you know, providing a service. It sucks. And, you know, I hope everyone that's there, you know, by, even to this day, they, they still do a very good job. Pat Ford does a really good job. Richard Johnson does a very good job. You know, I think their info coverage is spectacular. I love Sports Illustrated. I think, I think it's a fantastic entity. And it's just saddening that, yet again, you know, greed kind of just took over and is stripping away something that a lot of us grew up on. And private equity is the same sort of people that you know, places like, FSU and other people, you know, who want to get people out of their media deals are saying, hey, do we try to leverage them and bring them into college football? 
And if you don't think they would, it would be, it would be very bad to very bad or very wrong to think that just because they are ruining everything else, they wouldn't ruin, you know, college football. They would, they would ruin college football the second private equity touches it. So do with that information as you wish. Nothing insider there. Just be careful what you wish for. If you're someone that is wanting private equity to jump into anything you absolutely love. On a better note, Wake Forest beat the tar out of Louisville on Saturday. I don't really, I'm not really going to break this game down. There's really no point in doing a three up, three down this game. You beat a team by 25. You you hit a program, you hit the second most threes in program history. Louisville's not a good team. That was one that it wasn't a must win, but it was it was a couldn't lose. You, know, you can't can't be losing Q four games. Just can't be doing that. And you did it in impressive fashion. You, did, you covered the spread by I think at least ten. That's what you needed to do. Welcome back to Mario Monsanto. Now now the fun starts, and you know I, I think you're about the same place in bracketology that you were going into the week. I think some people have maybe dropped them down just like a pair, but I think Wake Forest is still, from what I've seen, essentially the bubble marker. The problem Wake Forest has is the fact that they do not have a win over a team in the tournament. I look at it from, you know, that's one of the reasons why I was saying the NC State game wasn't that quote-unquote important, nor Florida State. I don't think they were that detrimental to what you were doing, what Wake Forest is trying to accomplish this year. Because you look at it, you go UGA, LSU, Florida State, NC State. And those are those are four or five losses. And you pair that with Florida, Rutgers, Virginia Tech, Boston College, Miami, and Virginia right now. So that is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So that's ten games out of your excuse me. It's been a long morning. That's ten games out of your season that you've played. You've gone six and four in these games. Not a terrible margin, not a fantastic margin. No, you it's it's fine. You went over five hundred. But like those are the best games you've played outside of Utah. And you play Utah on a neutral site. Utah is the only team you've played that's in the tournament. And you know, granted that was without Efton Reed and now DeMar Monsanto and Jalatuka. You, know, you had a big lead in that and you let that one slip away. That one sucks. That's when you really need it back. When we look at those 10 games, they're all basically kind of the same. You know, they're nice to have. If you won them, you shouldn't lose. You know, you shouldn't be under 500 in those games. You know, 60 to 70% is, is solid. 89% would be fantastic. But those are not games that are going to boost you up in tournament, whether it's, you know, whether it's the NCAA's eyes right now or it's the people that are. The, in charge of making the fake brackets that spend their entire lives doing this and are getting 98 to 99% of these things right. Those wins just aren't mattering. Like it's, it's, they matter because you need to win them and you need to win, you know, a healthy amount of them. But you beating NC State, kind of shrug. Florida State, shrug. Miami at this point, shrug. Like Florida, I mean, it's fine. But, and the reason why is because none of these teams are in the tournament. I think the closest ones right now would be maybe UGA, 
Virginia Tech because like, Virginia Tech has some good early wins, but not uh, not saying the teams you beat were bad, and it does not mean to dis- diminish them. Like you beat them, they're important wins in that sense. You should have probably won against against NC State, perhaps against Florida State, but you need to beat teams that are in the tournament, and you, you got to do it. That was the Achilles' heel to the 2021 team of Alondas. And, you know, if they don't get into the tournament this year, that's going to be their Achilles heel. And it's no fault of their own. I mean, they're only the only the only team that they've played that would be in the tournament was is Utah. That was their third game of the season. Like it they can't control Florida not taking care of us. They can't control Rutgers being bad this year. They can't control Miami throwing up on themselves the last week and a half. They can't control Virginia Tech throwing up on the week like throwing up themselves. Virginia, Virginia might has a chance. I think Virginia has a chance to age very, very well. But God, like that, the the way they were playing with an injury and on the road, just terrible. So now you get into the nitty gritty and get come here on Monday. Some of you guys listening on Monday, you're coming on Monday and you play at North Carolina in the Dean Dome in the Dean Center. You're about an eight-point favorite. I mean, excuse me, not favorite. You're an eight-point underdog in this. Advanced metrics will have you around an 11, 10 to 11-point underdog. Nine-ish seems about right in this game. This is one where it is not a must-win. And I, I, I saw the sentiment of, you know, we've got to win at, at either at UNC or Duke to make the tournament. That's just blatantly not true. It's just Blatantly not true. Do you need wins against teams in the tournament? Yes. However, there is a difference between wins against teams in the tournament and a quad 1A game. This is a quad 1A game. This is when you look at the bracket sheet and go, all right, you know, what's uh, what's going on with this team? This is a win that would be firmly... A- Head and shoulders, like, like oh, if you look at the team sheets, this would be head and shoulders ahead of every other game on the on the bubble for anyone else. This is a marquee, you will not have a better win than this, I guarantee it, sort of game. So there's not really a, a way to lose this if you're Wake Forest unless you get skunked. That is the only way. And I don't mean since skunk isn't, you know, the spread's eight, eight and a half. Getting skunked isn't 12 or so. Getting skunked is like, oh, no, you're getting out there like 20. Like, that's what I mean. Like, it's just an uncompetitive 15 to 20 point, just, just drubbing. If you keep it close, you know, you're going to move up in the net. Like, that's just, it's dumb, but you're going to move up in the net. Uh, and if you move up in the net, you know, the predictive metrics are going to look a little better. And honestly, like, this is a very good UNC team. If you can hold it close against this team, you should, in theory, be well, be better equipped to beat some of the lesser teams, whether they're Q1 wins or not, than going going down the schedule. If you win this game, I don't think there's a way that Wake Forest doesn't make the tournament. Outside of you know throwing up on yourselves at home against Georgia Tech and on the road against Notre Dame, like you got to lose both of those and maybe one more. Like one more like garbage one, not one more like at, on the road against Duke. Like one more just garbage game. If you win this game, you're in. I I don't I don't think there's a realistic scenario to where Wake Forest wins at 
UNC and doesn't get in. Like you're talking about seeding at that point. You're not talking about, I don't know, man, the bubble. Like that's, it's, you skyrocket there. And I think that's the importance of this game for Wake Forest is, you know, you're, you are essentially locking yourself in tournament. And it's also honestly the, the biggest win of C Forbes career if it, if it happens. Yeah, I don't think that's necessarily hyperbole. You know, the Duke win has, was, was, was solid. UNC as well, but a road top 10 win would be the defining moment of Steve Forbes' tenure at Wake Forest. No pressure. No pressure at all. This is the one team where I I have said in my head that, you know, Wake doesn't, you know, if you look at one versus one, two versus two, three versus three, Wake Forest doesn't have just a, a great matchup across the board. You know, Florida State, I think, is a as a team collectively the worst matchup for UNC. I think like if you Wake had played Houston in Charleston, that would have gotten ugly because I think that style of team just ruins Wake. But I think UNC is the one team that I go, okay, yeah, this is one where I'm like, you know, this is going to be some very, very fun matchups here. In the front court, I mean, I'll I'll say just the four and the five because I don't I I yeah it's so I I always get weirded out with that, but just with your four and your five, you know, Harrison, Harrison Ingram versus Andrew Carr is going to be a very very fun fun thing. And I say I say front court four and five. I understand you know what I'm saying here because I think there are some some avenues where Damari can come in and you know kind of play a, a bigger three. So you know. I, mess around there but Harrison Ingram versus Andrew Carr is going to be a very very fun matchup but I honestly think that one might de- might determine the game you know Ingram has been extremely solid this year uh, transferring from Stanford you know he's got double digit rebounds and I think four of his last six games he's really like fit into what they want to do like kind of like as a middle ground between what they got out of Brady Manic versus what they were getting out of, say, yeah, ugh, probably Pete Nance or Dawson Garcia. So it's a he's been he's been good. He's been very good for them. Shooting about forty one percent from three this year. Yeah, hasn't really he hasn't turned it over as much, and that's I think partially because he isn't re- relied on to be the number one option in on this team. Which hey works out. Live star rehab programs, man. It's it's a fun it's a fun process. Andrew Carr has been playing insanely, insanely, insanely well the last two games. I I, I loved how aggressive he was. And granted, he was being defended by a walk on. I don't care. I don't care because the aggressiveness is what I want to see. I want to see Andrew Carr get in there and say, "Okay, cool. I have a good matchup here." Let me take advantage of it. And what did he do on Saturday? Had 18, 3, and 3. 3 for 7 from 3. 6 for 12 from the field. That's what I want to see. He saw food, and he got it. And that's exactly what he saw in the first half against NC State, where he ended up putting up 28-4, Foul trouble got him a little bit. But when Andrew Carr sees food, Andrew Carr very good. He is very good. That's going to be a very interesting matchups to see how those two match up and then you have reed versus baycott you know if reed can reed gets the crappiest whistle 
It's not even complaining on the officials. I think he just gets a crappy whistle. It's, it's less of a, I think the officials are bad and more of a, just some, some people just get favorable whistles. Some people get kind of shitty woods. He's the latter. When I'm thinking about those two positions, and I said it last night on the boards, I'm recording this at about 4 a.m. because sleeping is awful. But I said it last night that I wouldn't be shocked if Matthew Marsh or Zach Keller caught a DNP in this game. I'm still kind of kind of there. I think Marsh more than than Keller might get minutes. I don't know who Keller really guards in this situation. He's certainly not guarding Harrison Ingram. Certainly not doing that. No, I know he did a, a, a pretty good job on Link Kid. Don't I, I do not think Harrison Ingram's a good fit for for Zach Keller. Baycott, especially not because Baycott is I don't I'm not very high on Baycott in slightest. I'm really not. But I do think he is very, very good at baiting you into fouling him. Like he's elite at it. And it's a skill. It is a genuine skill, and he should be applauded for that. Zach takes some cheapies, man. He takes two to three cheapies a game. And unless Reed is in foul trouble, I just don't like it's one of those things where I don't see a reason why Andrew Carr should leave the court. Even if Reed's in foul trouble. Slide card down to the five. You can run a Boopy, Hunter, Parker, Tamari, Carr lineup for a couple minutes for probably four to five four to five minutes or so, and see what you can get out of it there. Because if Reed's out of there, I think you might just be like, look, let's just see how much shooting equity we can have on the court at one time. First direction, I'm not really sure how many minutes Tamari's going to play. I know he was on a on a pitch count, got what nine or ten minutes this last game. Yeah, hopefully that pushes up to 12-ish in this game. They're they're gonna need a lot of him. Yeah, not, I hope I don't expect him to go to hit his first what four threes in a row. That'd be lovely in this game. But and we'll get to that in a second. But you know, I that's why that's I just don't necessarily see a path to where Zach Keller gets in this game from and if he does, maybe it's a one or two minutes just to really try to steal some stuff. Marsh, maybe if you need to, you know, take some fouls on Baycott. But I'm not really sold on that. And I think this isn't a game that you're going to win necessarily because you held UNC to a certain amount against the game because you're, ma- you're making shots. And you know, Zach hasn't been the best offensively. He's been fine. He's been, he does what he's asked to do offensively. Marsh, kind of know what Marsh does. And I don't think he's been great this year. So we'll see. Backcourt. The backcourt's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. I think Boopy is better than than Ellie Cadeau. I, I, I don't think that's a hot take. I think Ellie Cadeau has been very, very good. I think Boopy, you know, with his ups and downs, has still been better than, than Cadeau. And I mean, it's fine. I mean, he's Cadeau's Cadeau's also been, I think, more of a more of an assist guy than he has been a, a scorer this year. He's a freshman. He's kind of learning it as it goes. It's fine. I think Boopy can kind of bait him in, into a couple a couple of cheap ones as well. The question becomes at the two and three. What do you do here? Sorry, it is 18 degrees up here. I am freezing. It has been a long, snowy winter up here. So you have Hunter and Cam versus 
probably the ACC player of the year right now in RJ Davis and Cormac Ryan, who is every team at both teams have not, a, I don't want to call Cam a weak link right now, but Cam with one hand is probably the, the weaker link on this team than anyone else versus Cormac Ryan. Who's, you know, fine. Like he's, he, he hasn't been shooting great this year, but no, he can. He's a shooter. He could very easily turn that around and be just fine in this game. I'm curious on what they do there, because I think Hauner is your better defender, but I don't think Cam is very far behind him in the slightest. How much utility is there in? Saying, hey, Cam, you know, maybe let's take a little bit of, of a load off on the offense. And granted, you know, you don't want Cam to be completely phased out of the offense. Like, he, he can still drive just fine. You know, if he has an open shot, you want him to shoot it, like keep your confidence up and stuff like that. How much, how much is, how much is it worth for you to say, hey, Cam, go out there and just hound RJ Davis, who's been seeing the, the court extremely well with scoring and passing? How much can, do you think you can shut him down? We can put Salas on Cormac. And that way, Salas doesn't kind of get run down there. And also, Salas doesn't get to pick up some fouls on RJ. You know, I think Cam could do a solid job on, on RJ. But also, Hunter, I, I think I don't think anyone's going to shadow. I don't think this will be a shadow job by anybody. But I think there's a lot of utility in keeping Salas out of foul trouble in the game that you know you're going to need to score to win. You know, I, I think I think Hunter Hunter would do would do a very very fine job on quarterback Ryan. <laughs> so. That's where I think the fun chess match might be at is what what do both these coaches do with the do with that with those two with those two positions because I think that could really change the game here. I think that I I, I was curious in the Louisville game. I don't know if it's just playing at home or the fact that you know Steve Forbes maybe had a little bit of talk with them, but there were a few times that both Salas, Damari, and Cam. All had all had chances to kind of you know contest a little bit, and they would have been pretty kind of kind of cheaper fouls. Like they, you know, Hunter got a couple against NC State. They always get a couple of cheap ones when it's just you know someone they're they're trailing and trying to stop a mid range shot, or you know someone gets the rim just a little bit too easy, and they're trying to contest it a bit. Those those foul those cheap fouls weren't there. They just didn't attempt them. Like there was even one I could see Damari like thinking about contesting. He's like, nope, 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 can't take a cheap foul. Let's just not take it. And be just fine here. So I, I wonder if Steve Forbes had, had chat with them. Like, look, we just can't take those because Wake Forest is in a position right now where I understand people were a little bit irritated, you know, when Louisville shoot, I think around like 50% from the floor in the first half. But when you looked at it, they were shooting well because because they were making a bunch of mid like long twos, like a bunch of mid range, just long twos. The most inefficient shot in sports. Just they, Wake Forest just plays drop coverage. That's what they're going to do. And so they're completely. If you're going to take mid range jumpers off ball screens, they are going to be like, "Look, man, you just do that. Have fun. Fine." And I think it's going to irritate some because, you know, if people make it, then it's like, oh, my God, like, had you guarded this once or twice? I've seen that sentiment. Not making that up out of thin air. But it's it works for them in two ways. 
first just math and pure just simple math of Wake Forest is going to take and make a lot of threes. You're just going to take a, take and make a lot of them, and they're going to run you off the three point line pretty often. If Wake is taking and making a lot of threes, and you're taking and making a lot of long twos, the math is going to say Wake Forest is winning that basketball game. And then from an efficiency standpoint, you know, if someone you could argue, well, you know, the threes might not fall that day. I could very much argue, hey, that's totally fine, but you're shooting the most inefficient shot in just sports. And that when those stop start fall stop falling, then, then you're in a world of hurt because eventually our threes are going to start falling. We're taking better and better shots than you consistently. Math saying we are going to win out just in a pure efficiency standpoint of okay, we're taking better shots. You're taking shots that no one really wants you to take besides if they're saying, okay, if you want to. So I think we'll see a little, a lot more of that in this game. You know, I don't, I don't think Wake Forest is going to let UNC shoot as many threes as they possibly would like. They're not in the school of Louisville. I think their arms are going to get tired if I let them shoot you know, 20 to 24 open threes. I don't understand how Louisville operates. That's beyond my pay grade at this point. I was very encouraged with, with Parker. I, I think obviously Damari was the fun story from, from Saturday. Parker, you know, breaking out of his, he had, he had a slump. And I mentioned, I kind of mentioned it on here. He had a, he had a little mini slump. And I think it was nice to see him just have some, some go in. Yeah, part of that was, I think people found him more often. And part of that was, I think he took some shots that he took some good shots. I would love it if Parker took a little, a little more shots. Like I, I think there's a couple more that he could absolutely stand to take. And I think it's a, I'm a freshman. I want to make sure I'm making the completely correct shot. I don't need him to turn it to Mari. I don't need you to turn it to, into Melo Monsanto, just take a little, a couple, a step back three because you're just feeling yourself right there. You, but there, there are some where I think he has a, uh, he has a little bit more of an opportunity than he think he does, thinks he does, and you know I don't think that that's a bad shot. I think he's in the in the territory now that an open three, even if they close out pretty hard, is still a good shot for for Parker. So I would like to see him take a. A couple more there, but I was encouraged to see him really sort of break out of that slump. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. 
This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Three-point shooting is obviously going to be you know, the, the name of the game for this team. And I mean, this, this game in general, I, mean, I don't think you have to be a um, master statistician to see that Wake Forest is 12th in, in the country in three-point percentage, second in the ACC at 39.3%. UNC 21st in D1, first in the ACC at defending the three-point line, holding opponents to 29.1%. That is an insane, like, just strength-on-strength strength sort of matchup for these two teams. I'm I'm really I think that's I mean I think the four is going to decide it but obviously you know the three point shooting is going to going to work it out here. I think the bench is going to be a little bit interesting because you know it's Steph Trimble, Paxson, Withers, and Washington for UNC, and then really just Parker and Monsanto, a little bit a big somewhere in there from Keller. I don't anticipate seeing a ton of Jow in this game. I never really anticipated seeing a ton of Jow in this game, regardless of how many minutes he got against Louisville. I thought this would be just a kind of a very shitty matchup for someone to to bring in someone who has basically not played basketball in over a year and a half. And do I thought this would just be a terrible matchup for him. So, I mean, UNC's bench is deeper, quote unquote. I think Weathers can score a bit, but Trimble and, and Paxson are aren't scoring aren't scores not about they, they will maybe score points in this game but they're they're there for defense they're okay we're getting kind of lit up a little bit from the arc let's let's bring these guys in and let's see what we can what they can do shut people down so i don't think the benches are all that divergent from each other because i think there are more bodies for unc but i think their impact on the game is lesser than what parker and monsanto can bring to the game so I think these two are a little more evenly matched than I think people want to give them credit for. But I also understand that I think we, I think UNC is a very, very good team this year. I did not understand people saying that you know, Hubert wasn't really a good coach and stuff wasn't going to work out. He had a roster that made one of the best coaches in the history of the sport quit. We really underestimate vibes when it comes to, you know, when it comes to evaluating teams, that team last year had such bad vibes. They had just miserable. The, the, the vibes, the, the vibes of, of, of why things like the reason of why those vibes got so low wasn't on the coach. It wasn't, Oh, we were losing games. This and that it was completely just locker room stuff of people just being complete idiots. Sometimes you got to have a, have a little divorce. It was a very healthy divorce. Huber got to build a team the way he wanted to. And I think that's important, letting coaches be able to, you know, sometimes you think, oh, he inherited all his talent. Sometimes that talent doesn't work for what that person wants to do. And having the chance to completely build your own team, which is what I think Steve Forbes is finally able to start doing this year, um, is, you know, build like a team the way you really need it to be for your play style is so, so, so important. 
And I think that's what happened to Hubert this year. And I, you know, good on him. That team's looking fantastic. For the bracket talking again, this is a game that if you win, you know, book book your flights, book your hotels. The team's going to the tournament. Like, just know that there's an ifs, ands, or buts about it. You lose it, which is what you're predicted to do right now. And so I can, you know, I'm going to talk more so in that time frame. You're fine. You're you're fine. Right now for Torvik, and I, I I know Team Forbes doesn't need any guys named Bart or Kenny Palm to tell him that his team is good and his team is bad. Just, you know, it's always funny. You look at his that Torvik site, and he has a little fun, fun stuff, tourney odds, and right now he has Wake Forest at a 55% chance to make the tournament. You know, and I don't necessarily think that. And right now, that's with projecting a loss at UNC. That is projecting a loss here. You're also able to see, you know, some similar resumes to what this Wake Forest team is compared to, you know, the teams of the past. And, you know, you can look at this and you go, okay. And, it, and this is also with, you know, projecting Wake Forest to be, Three and five in Q1, six and three in Q2, six and three in Q3, and six now in Q4. So you can do some math there. And I think that's pretty much fair. And I mean, I think, you know, Torvik expects Wake to beat Duke at home, which I think is completely fair. Beat Clemson at home, I think it's completely fair. Those are two, those are, that's a Q1 and a high Q2 right there. You know, I think Torvik expects Wake to, on average, take, probably two out of Virginia Tech, Virginia, Pittsburgh, and then kind of work your way from there. So if you look at the teams that are that ended their season, like Wake Forest is projected to end their season right now, you have St. Mary's in 2019, who was an auto bid, BCU in 2016, who was an at-large, Oregon in 2019, that was an auto bid, and the reason the rest of these are at-large, so I'm gonna keep, not going to keep saying it. Syracuse in 2019, Tennessee in 2014, Iowa State in 2013, UCLA in 2015. The team John Collins drug to the tournament in 2017, 2016 Cincinnati, and 2012 South Florida. So with the way Wake Forest is projected to end the season, this isn't saying that this is like them straight up losing on the road against UNC and against Duke. They'll probably lose one out of the pit Virginia, Virginia Tech games. Yeah, this is this seems pretty fair. And yeah, that, that seems pretty fair for uh for this. Everyone made the tournament. Everyone very comfortably made the tournament. If I, I I can amend that and say not very comfortably for three of them, South Florida in 2012, Wake Forest 2017, and Tennessee in 2014. We're all first four teams. Funny enough, Wick Forest was the only one to not make it out of the first four. That's funny. But that's where I think, and that's why I thought all the stuff about the NC State game, the Forest game was just so overblown, is all you need to do right now is take care of business. You still, yes, need to beat, I think Duke at home and Clemson at home are the two games that you're like, I need to absolutely win those games. Those are your high-pressure games because you need wins over teams in the tournament. 
and you get two of them at home where you are have been just so, so, so good this year, I think you need those. You don't need, you're not going to, it's not an F around and find out situation with this way Forest team. It's a, you have opportunities in front of you that aren't necessarily on the road, but there are a couple on the road with Virginia Tech, Virginia, and Pittsburgh. You've already beaten Virginia Tech and Virginia like a drum on at home. I think you match up very well with BT. I think you could, I think that's a game that you very much can win and should win. Virginia, you know, I think they're getting a little bit better. Their home road splits are extreme, but I think that's also another one where I think you just can, you just are better athletes than them. And I don't know if I, I, it's been a, a lot this year of better athletes have given UVA fits. And so I think you can take that one pit. I understand they just beat Duke. It's going to be a bit, road games are always hard. I really, 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 it, you had a guy go seven for seven from three and they miss, they're missing two of their best players. That's really hard for me to reconcile with thinking Pitt is just a much better team when you had so many things break your way in that game. But maybe, maybe that's me. You have everything in front of you. If you go out and win this game today, you've got a hell of a road ahead of you to, to make some noise. I'm going to cut it off there. Thank you guys so much for listening. Always love the sport on these. And as always, go Deeks.